You've advanced far with the five styles and the steel fingers. I want to see all your force. And you must keep up your practice constantly to succeed. Welcome to episode 128. It's All Ute Radio. Johnny McKeon, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. It's, uh, uh, can I be honest? Yeah. I, my head's just all over the place, man. I We got so much going on in such a short amount of time. It's Comical Con time. Yeah, seriously. Com- and Comic Con drains me because I get so excited. And then when I get there, I get so frustrated because I hate people. <laughs> so it's like it's like this weird like dichotomy of emotions where like 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 I'm so torn at at how bad I want to be there and 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 how bad I want to leave at the same time. So it's 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 gonna be interesting. I have an exciting announcement for you, Johnny, and all of our great listeners. Yeah. Earholemedia.com and all of its podcasts or the official podcast network of Comic-Con Salt Lake City 2015. Wow. How do you like that? I like it a lot. It sounds sexy, right? It sounds really sexy. You know, I th- that means I'm going to have to be walking around with my mic, seeing what I can get. Well, we're going to go a step deeper than that. So. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. We got the great Tony Toscano on the Talking Pictures podcast. It's a newer podcast. Tony Toscano is not a new guy. He is the film critic guy in Utah. Yep. And we have access to all the celebrities, all the A-listers. We will be interviewing them. Probably mostly going to be Tony Toscano. Yeah. I know I'm going to be so busy producing. I don't know how much of a... It's not really a scene for me. I'm excited to be there, but you I, wouldn't, I can't talk nerd. Yeah, I was going to say, you wouldn't probably know the questions to ask, no, I, really. I, no. He really yeah. like, so So how are you in Batman? He was like, I'm in Captain America. <laughs> Panda. What's Captain America? Yeah, yeah. Which one's Captain America? <laughs> Is that the Brazilian guy? No. <laughs> Go to timeout, Bloom. <laughs> oh, man. I uh, Comic-Con, comic, comic books and Comic-Con hold a, a deep place for me. I've been going to cons for a very long time, and Salt Lake Comic-Con is one of the best. That's out there. Like I, I, I've been, I've been to comic cons uh, 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 all over the coasts, and like this one, this one's special. Hundred twenty thousand people they're expecting. Yep, I believe it. I've, I've been to it since its inception, and the numbers have only spiked. Like they've only grown. I feel as the owner, proprietor, executive producer of Earhole Media, very fortunate for a lot of reasons. I get to work with some of the best talent in the state of Utah, whether it's you or comedian Marcus Guy Seidel. Rick Aaron, Tony Toscano, Jason Harvey, Natasha. But what really thrills me about this Comic-Con is having Jackson Banks on my tool belt and giving him a microphone and letting him wander wildly in Comic-Con. Oh, I I wish I could follow around that guy with a camera. (laughs) I wish I could live in his head for like a day just to see. For an audiophile like me, like, it's just... In my head, it's going to be gold. Radio gold. So 
Listen for that, earholemedia.com. You can find our feeds on Stitcher, on iTunes, obviously, if you're listening. But tell your friends, if you're a geek, if you're a nerd, if you hate it all, Earhole Media is going to be there. And yeah, you're you're not going to get shill interviews. Tony doesn't do that. Nope. Talking Pictures Podcast doesn't do that. I don't tolerate that. I will definitely, the only interview I'm interested in doing is talking to security. Yeah. Because based on my off the record interviews from fantasy con last year there's a lot to investigate yeah there's a lot to understand about the fbi profilers that are there why are they profiling who are they profiling aka pedophiles the carnival of pedophiles that go around the country to these events really even though they might not be actively pursuing children they are there interesting uh, I never even thought of that. I was thinking more when you talked about FBI profiles like a bomber or something. Mm. But no, you're right. Like that's there's a lot of kids just walking around, completely unsupervised. Totally. There's the, yeah. One thing I want all of you to listen to is how often during an hour they go, "We're on lockdown," and they usher everyone subversively into the middle so they can reunite their kid. And I think we talked about it briefly a couple of weeks ago, so I don't want to harp on it. But how the how do you lose your kid? <laughs> How do you do it? I, I don't know. I don't have kids because if I feel, I, uh, I feel like I'd lose my kid. <laughs> yeah, I really worry for Sarah with you. Like, do we have to get you a leash? <laughs> no, I really think I'd be the dad who left the kid on the top of the car. Like, I really, and just see him tumbling down over the front of my windshield. Like, I could, that, 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 that's a very real thing for me. I say this way too much on this show. And it's not a problem. But sometimes when you have a guest come in, you get humbled. Yeah. Whether it's by how famous they are, how beautiful they are, how good at a job they are at their job, or just by their mere work ethic and talent. Mm-hmm. And today we have that. DJ Jarvicious from U92 Mix 107.9 coming in studio. He's going to talk about the art of DJ. We'll probably get into some hip hop. He is the official DJ of Comic-Con 2015 in Salt Lake City. He... I, so I work. I have the pleasure of working with DJ Jarvicious, and I know that no matter what's going down, no matter when when it hits the fan, I could look at him and he'll know exactly what to do. And he's he's been very helpful with me adapting and growing at Broadway. And I'm really glad that I get to sit down and talk to him. He's also he's also one of my favorites. Like I genuinely enjoy his music. Like at every event he's at, I, I'm sitting there right next to him listening. I've listened to him for a long time. He's been in this market since, what, 2000, 2002, somewhere around there. Yeah. And being a younger guy in media, you know, I'm certainly not established in media, but I've seen him all over town. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those people that I've never, I've walked up and talked to him once a couple of months ago when you were there, but I've never walked up and introduced myself because so good on a one and two. Yeah. And DJing, in my opinion, is hip hop. It is rap. Without a good DJ, you don't have music. Without Drew Hall, you don't have Bootcamp Click. Without Drew Hall, you don't have the birth of Tupac Shakur or Eminem when they were first Bootcamp Click. Without a good DJ, you don't have the living legends, right? Yeah. And so I have a reverence for DJing. I don't like where music has gone in the last 15 years, whether it's metal, whether it's death metal, whether it's hip-hop, whether it's rap, even reggae. Like, I, I don't like the direction it's going, but the DJ is still the DJ. It doesn't matter what they're playing. You can still hear the beauty. And yeah. so it's a great privilege for me personally to get to talk to uh, DJ Jarvicious. Definitely. I agree. 
You want to go hear that interview? Let's go. Yeah. Sweet. Well, let's skip to my little skip, skip. <laughs> what, what was that? Skip, skip, skip to my loo. Skip, skip, skip to my loo. <sighs> What's up, everybody? This is Marcus from the Dirt Pod Podcast, along with Guy and Alan. And on Sunday, October 4th, we are going to be recording the Dirt Pod Podcast live from on stage at Wise Guys Comedy Club in West Valley. Tickets are available for only five bucks, so make sure you get your tickets now online at wiseguyscomedy.com. And don't miss Dirt Pod Live Sunday, October 4th, only at Wise Guys Comedy Club. Hashtag Dirt Pod Live. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dirt Pod Podcast. This is Tony Toscano with Talking Pictures, and you're listening to Old Ute Radio. DJ Dervicious, how the hell are you, sir? Fantastic. Thanks for having me, you guys. Oh, yeah. it's a great pleasure. Huge fan of you. I love what you do for the hip-hop scene in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm just a fan of your work in general. Like I get to work with you a lot, and I always enjoy hearing you spin. Thank you. I uh, I worry that uh, those that work with me a lot get to hear the same stuff over and over, uh, but then I see you guys dancing right along with me, so I guess it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. I, I'd tell you if it was terrible. Like, man, you gotta quit playing that song. Like, <laughs> it's kind of kind of sucks, but I'm afraid to say it to your face. <laughs> you play clown music, Johnny will dance. Yeah, totally, totally, man. Yeah, walk the moon. I'll start dancing. I'll, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That song's my enemy. I hear it <laughs> everywhere in town. Like, I was doing a Utah Utes football game, and the band is playing that song. Really? I was like, I can't escape it. The band? Yeah, BYU was doing it, too. <laughs> so, uh, episode 128, DJ Jarvicious, official Comic-Con DJ, uh, official Real DJ, yeah. uh, official U92, X96, Broadway Media, everybody DJ. Right. If you need music played somewhere publicly, just you should call me. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so we can find you at DJ Jarvicious? Right. Yeah. It's uh, it, DJ Jarvicious, no space, and it's Jar, and then the word vicious. Everyone says Jarvalicious. I got to squash that real fast. <laughs> I always joke around, and if you know me, you've probably heard this a thousand times. I'm only Jarvalicious after dark. <laughs> <That's> Ladies. <laughs> You're only Jarvalicious when dipped in chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah uh, so where to begin? Where do we begin? Sasha, what do you think? I'm very fascinated by the white DJ, by the Caucasian, Caucasoid DJ. Is there racism I, towards you? Is it tough to be in a genre that's primarily dominated by black or African American? Yeah, like uh, when you when you show up, do people go, "You're you're the DJ?" What? I try to get myself out there enough that they sort of know what what they're getting uh, beforehand. Yeah, but I would and I would never say there's not any. I haven't experienced any sort of uh, uh, racism. racism or just being excluded any any, any differently. However. Uh, it, it it for me it actually kind of helps because it uh, I end up coming I I end up being a lot more surprising I guess you you wouldn't expect uh, this just kind of goofy white kid to be popping off hip hop tracks right uh, as as much and so it's it's I've never noticed anything negative towards it it's it's been a lot more uh, welcoming than than anything else it's kind of cool. 
hip hop seems a lot more integrated than one would imagine. Like if you go to like I'm an old school guy. I used to go to shows in Hollywood all the time. If you go to see Smith and Wesson or Cypress Hill Smokeouts, a lot of white people involved in the bands, you know, whether they're gaff people or DJs. Right. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's got that stigma, I think, that it's just black and black only and Right. And 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 I experienced that with a lot of venues that I go into that I might not have that or that are trying to uh feel out a hip hop night. They know that hip hop works, they see it work at other locations. So they want to try it out in a, in a new spot where they might not have done it before. And then of course you get the you get people that are just concerned. They're like, we don't need to get into the heavy rap stuff. And I'm like, well, there's a difference between rap and hip hop. Yeah. Uh, and rap, there's a place for rap, that's for sure. But uh, it's probably not going to be at your your dance club. Mm. If you want to get ladies in there, you're probably not going to want to be, you know, just repping your your shit all the time. And so, that's a problem, w- right? W- what's what's the difference between hip hop and rap? In uh, your opinion, your professional in, in my, opinion. Yeah, in my opinion, and, and this wavers from everybody, of course. Uh, I think I think rap is. Uh, is a lot more lyrical than than uh, hip hop is. Hip hop, you know, kind of wavers on more of a party atmosphere. They they may have a lot. They have hooks where where a lot of rap songs might not. Um, and you can rap on a track, of course, but uh, it's typically features a lot more uh, or a lot of other artists on the same track. It's uh, the the beat tends to be a little slower. We might try to slow it down a little bit and. I, I I consider uh, hip hop hip hop when my mom can understand it a little more than <laughs> than when I put on a on a rap track and she's she has no clue what's going on she doesn't even know what's lyrics there there just sounds like she's like there's a weird instrument that's going on right now <laughs> <laughs> is Drake rap or hip hop uh, I would think Drake Drake's more hip hop yeah yeah see that's the weird thing because when I grew up Tupac was rap yeah. Biggie Smalls was rap. Living Legends was rap. I think hip hop is one of those subcultures, or not subcultures, excuse me, a subgenre that uh, has kind of developed from rap uh, that wasn't part of part of the original thing. It wasn't part of the original legends, as as we talked about. Well, has earlier. rap now become a subgenre of hip hop, where hip hop has become that? Yeah, and I would, uh, yeah, I would think that rap lives more in the underground scene. Yeah, of course, more so than it, it's more acceptable. It's it's easier to swallow. For the general public, when you're playing hip hop, than it is a rap rap track. So, when you were growing up, were you the kid that was buying vinyls and going to record shops and building up your crates and all that stuff? Like, did you have turntables and? Uh, so, when uh, I started, because my cousin was was DJing, and he grew up in a small town where he was the only one uh, DJing in that area, so he was superstar yeah so for me going into this town and, and seeing someone my family someone i know who was considered this you know superstar i mean that was i gotta do that mm-hmm. uh so when i was you know a tween uh getting i i immediately looked into what was easiest and available for me which happened to be uh cds not not a year into that was i uh, experimenting with turntables and going all you know belt driven turntables which you learn very quickly if you're in the dj industry that belt turntables are probably the worst you should get you should keep those at home when you're playing your (laughs) your old uh beethoven uh, records (laughs) um and and yeah and it developed it built on from there when i picked up uh an internship at a radio station i was very quickly ushered in uh to the other djs around there who were already making names for themselves that were already uh, uh, big figures in in the market that I was in, 
and uh, they took me in and and taught or started giving me the the tricks of everything uh, with the turntables. And so now I've got those the the CDJ history behind me where I kind of started, but I was lucky enough before this big digital explosion that we have now, where everybody's on a computer, mm-hmm. uh, to be putting needles to plastic to vinyl and playing those in front of a crowd because that's all I had at the time. So is the artisanship better with putting that needle down compared to what's going on now? I I think so, yeah. yeah. I think CDJs are incredible and they're I mean that I'm always welcome new technology. I'm all about it. Um, and I think CDJs have a have a place and I think turntables have a place. Uh, I'm more of a purist towards the the turntable fashion, although I do play on Serato, which is on a computer. Uh, but I'm still putting a record to a, uh, a piece of vinyl, and so you've got that you you're you have to be a lot more careful with turntables where you don't have to be with CDJs. I mean those, you know, if the crowd's jumping all at once and you're on an, an unstable stage, you got to make sure that needle stays on that record or else it's party over. Uh, and you of course don't have that with a CDJ. So technology is fantastic. But you don't. I, I don't feel that you've you've got as much of a. I don't feel like I'm in is in uh, as much control. The risk factor goes out the window, right? Because yeah. you can really embarrass yourself, like with ones and twos. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like you you pay attention to it a lot more, and so thus you just have. I think that passion behind it really comes out when you're on turntables. Where in CDJs, it gives you that freedom to keep your hands in the air the whole time and and. Do nothing but encourage the audience to uh, interact with you. How, how important of a factor is that, uh, uh, you know, working the audience with your hands as opposed to spinning the records? That was a hard lesson to learn. It took me a long time. Uh, I used to go into this just playing uh, what I thought were great mixes, and I couldn't understand why the audience wasn't getting out of their own heads enough to enjoy it as much as I wanted them to. Uh, come to find out, they did enjoy it. They've always, I've always been complimented with my mixes uh but what what finally got people out of their heads and uh out on the dance floor more was when you started showcasing that you're one of them and that you're there to to be there with them so i would come in and just play music typically not say too much i usually wasn't even dancing behind the booth i wasn't moving too much because i was focused on making sure the mix was flawless and now with my you know with with uh, having experience behind it it's easier to party a little bit more and have more fun with the audience uh, uh, while I'm playing and keep the mix flawless. And and as soon as the audience sees that you're having a good time, they're more comfortable having a good time, whether they realize that that's what they needed or not. Do you still enjoy music? And the reason why I ask you is I would assume with your type of ear and your job that you're always looking for a place in a song where you can fade in another song or... Bring in another song. Absolutely. In fact, it's gotten, um, I don't know if it's more fun, frustrating, or easy, I guess, but uh, a lot of of tracks nowadays, uh, especially in the hip-hop genre, are sampling one another. It's been around for so long that you get that nostalgia when, I mean, I guess we've always really had that. The New Age was doing that. But uh, everyone's sampling another thing, and so it ended up, you know, for a DJ, you hear those samples and you immediately recognize where they come from, where where the audience might not pick up on that right away, uh, and so it it uh, it stimulates you know your your the library, the catalog that you've got in your brain, and you know exactly where to go next, 
And then when you think of that song, it reminds you of another song, it reminds you of another song, and so forth. And so it's just constantly, uh, I have this really crazy library in my head all the time of songs, and we, just for fun, around the office and at home, we're always just having conversations and lyrics because it's just makes sense. It's important. It's just chaos all the time uh, in my head musically, so uh, it's a fun way to get it all out. Are you able to shut music out of your brain, or is it always on? It's always on. Yeah. It, it's terrible. You got music on in the background on a TV show or something. I I can't focus. My <laughs> my ADD is getting worse. I think uh, with that. So you're a professional broadcaster in Salt Lake City. There's probably forty of you, maybe. You yeah. Know. It's it, it's tough. Is it hard? <laughs> is there, there's is there a lot of pressure? Do you feel the pressure when the numbers come out every week? Do Luck. You- okay. Luckily, I work with a good group of people that I guess for just to keep it simple, keep the numbers from me. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to, if it's uh, if it is a problem, you know, then of course they, they'll they're luckily though, I've got somebody who can go through it and say, this is where our problem area is. Mm-hmm. And we need to focus on that. But for the most part, it's, you know, I work with some really rad people that are, you know, do what you do best go. And, and it tends to work and people tend to follow on that. So yeah, I've been doing that, doing this a long time. And I've worked with the same group of people kind of on and off. Yeah. This is, a, unless you're in broadcasting, especially in this market here in uh, Salt Lake, Salt Lake is very inbred uh, when it comes to radio. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you, you know, you, you never know who's going to be your boss the next day. And, and so I've, luckily we've been, I've been able to work on and off with some really kick-ass people uh, over the years that have allowed me to just simply focus on what I do best without drilling me over numbers and statistics and so forth. How do you earn that trust from your program director, your GM, your colleagues? That's, I guess that's just an experience thing. I mean, I've, I've been doing this since 2002, started uh, right out of high school, did an internship there. And uh, because I didn't know any better, I just stuck with it. So stuck in uh, broadcasting much longer than, uh, than the average i guess or then then a lot of people have i've seen a lot of people come and go or move out of market and i kind of just stayed consistent and in doing so i got to work with people over and over and over again and well here's this here's this kid that's still here doing the same damn thing and maybe i also like to put my personal life on the side i've i've given into the whole broadcasting lifestyle and that's you know radio never turns off you can turn your radio on 24 hours a day you're going to hear something my job never turns off either. My radio goes off in the morning, and it's, uh, I, you know, it's my coworkers that are waking me up out of bed. Is that so, thrilling for you, or is that exhausting? I think it's. I still find it really thrilling, yeah. and uh, it's 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 always a great, you know, it, because it is twenty four hours a day. There's a lot of stress, and it's exhausting. Um, but when you when you get those when you meet those listeners that are listening, and you're reminded that you're doing this because they're the ones listening. Uh, or they bring up something that they liked that you probably it didn't even dawn on you that they somebody else was listening to. Uh, I mean, it it just revives the whole thing. I mean, it's it's fantastic. One of the things that I've seen being a thirty five year old man is how often people self sabotage themselves. They're young men, they're young women, or other, and they want to be a firefighter. They want to be a musician, but they don't give themselves that opportunity or if they fail at a interview or something like that, they just give up. 
Right. What didn't allow you to give up? I don't know what I've done necessarily to to kind of get where I've got. I always feel very, very lucky. Like I fell into everything. Um, although the the those friends that are still with me uh, through all of the 24-hour broadcasts that I'm doing always remind me how just dedicated I was to whatever I was doing. And in doing so, you know, I, I never felt like I'm working a day in my life. I've always kind of set out to to do uh, exactly what I wanted to. And, I mean, I've been a DJ. My very first job was a DJ at a skating rink. And so it and it's just kind of stayed focused around that whole thing. So it's it's sort of just finding what you really, uh, what, what's attractive to you and just chasing it until that sort of thing doesn't even exist anymore. Not so much that we, whether you can get there or not. It's frustrating to see people not get what they're wanting because for me it was just, well, just set out and do it. I mean, what's mm. the worst that's going to happen? They're going to tell you no? Well, great. There's like six billion people in the world. We can go do this, I'm pretty sure, somewhere else. Plenty of other let's, roller rinks. Let's yes, yeah. <laughs> let's go find another roller rink. You know, man, you want to do this this bad? Let's let's go. Let's get out and go do it. Uh, how long did it take for you to feel confident on stage? Uh, I've always felt pretty good on stage. Uh, I was kind of the class clown. Uh, I was also not very popular, which was a weird combination. In fact, I'm always m- I'm more comfortable on stage than even just in this kind of three person interview here. You know, I can get up on stage and and just run my mouth in front of thousands of people without, you know, skipping a beat. With you guys, however, I find myself stuttering like crazy. Man, I I understand that. Like I, when I'm it's, on air or anything, I don't think about it. Like yeah. I don't think about anyone. But if 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 like MJ's in the next room, like my, if my boss is in the next room, I'm like he could hear me on air right now, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like terrified. <laughs> so can everyone else. <laughs> yeah, but he can fire me. Then you get people. Yeah, you get people on the street. They're like, I heard you do this the other day. You were listening. Yeah. Oh, you were there. Oh shit. Yeah, like oh, that's going out. Like oh no. <laughs> uh, stage. I don't know. Stage was really. Fun and so the second you walk out on stage, people tend, for the most part, to, to immediately have sort of a respect for you, uh, just because you're 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 presented in front of them, and so they're eager to see what you have to say. So it's 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 easy. You, you know, have, it doesn't come with all that perception. It doesn't come with people are there to see one thing, and here you are doing that one thing. It's hard to let them down. Where in person, they've got a lot of other things going on, and you're you know having those one on one conversations can be harder uh, because whether you know it or not, you're dealing with their issues, whatever they've got going on at the time. And so trying to approach somebody one-on-one versus a crowd, I don't have to, well, I guess that's another thing. I don't have to wait for their reaction. It's just me going up there and spitting out whatever I want want them to know. So when you're setting up a playlist for a crowd, for instance, you're at Real Salt Lake, there's 22,000 people, yeah. there's one section that's drunk, there's one section that's completely LDS, and then you have 8,000 kids there, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the crowd just wants to hear great music in between the game or pre-game, post-game. How do you pick music for such a wide, diverse crowd? One thing that I, I'm really proud of, and it's horrible when you kind of break it down this way, I guess, but one thing that a lot of people don't think about with DJs is how often we might stereotype a crowd. I mean, so when I'm trying to read a crowd and figure out, you know, what they want to hear, I mean, you you really look at them and try to take them at at face value and say, all right, 
this person looks like a redneck, they're going to want to hear banjos and crap. Uh, yeah. uh, but <laughs> Cottonwood Joe. Right. And so you, you pinpoint, you try to find, you pick one area that you think needs some focusing on. You There's the, the drunk group over here. They're going to be really easy to fix. Uh, you got the kind of stuffy uh, religious group over here that you're going to want to try to drill. And uh, obviously, I mean, trying to play the two back to backs might, you know, might be a little rough, but there's definitely something down the middle there. Uh, the kids thing's real easy. As long as you know, still dance. As long as as long as the music's clean, the music's loud. It's they're gonna love it. Um, and uh, the content for the most part. I mean, you you really can't get away from artists nowadays. Are you know, they're they're putting out questionable stuff if you sit down and, and really put your mind really to it. Really dirty. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't dawn on people right away, especially if it's pitched in the proper way. So you spend a lot of time with. That's probably a, a one of the most important things about DJing is is the setup that you give every single song. You can you can throw on anthem after anthem after anthem, but if you don't set it up right, they're either going to get bored really fast or it's just going to be a total flop. And so, you know, drilling these people with with songs, uh, if you do it right, they're not going to notice that the content might be crazy bad. Yeah, uh, they're just going to enjoy what it is as a as a whole. And uh, so then trying to sweep across the stadium of 22,000 people and hit different genres one after another after another is really thrilling. It's, it's really exciting to, to play a rock track right into a, a hip-hop track into a really pop top 40 um, and then sample in some really obscure old-school stuff, some new age, some new uh, some Motown. When you get 22,000 people together all kind of parting to the same beat doesn't get any better. Do you have time to look up at the crowd and see them laughing or dancing? Do you get that time to smile? And That's, and like, that's something I'm currently working on. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been going through my list of, at the end of every year, I try to do a quick recap on my social media, just saying I did some really kick-ass stuff this year. Here's what I've done. And going through this list, I'm like, holy hell, I've done... I've done probably 200 events this year already. And all I remember is seeing my hands and my turntables the whole time. Right. Uh, so I got to find some, I got to take a break and step back and, and start, um, start enjoying the, the moment. I, I find myself only looking up and enjoying the moment when I've got a full production behind me. And it's hard to ignore when you've got lights and lasers and fog and confetti and, CO2 going off all the time, then you're sort of forced to take a step back and look around, and it's really exciting. I find myself kind of in the zone. I'll look up to assess the crowd mm-hmm. uh, and then get right back into the mix. I'm personally still trying to work on that. I don't want to look back in my life and be like, look at all these kick-ass events I did. I don't remember them at all. Right. Uh, work in progress. That's my... <laughs> Eventually, I'm going to start enjoying this. That's going to be great. So, so what's going through your head when you're in the zone? Are you listening to the music? Are you thinking about what's next? What like can you? I'm always thinking about what's next, and try. I always try to be at least two songs ahead of where I'm currently at. And you know, God forbid you get a request occasionally. Which, by the way, I got to say, requests. You know, the DJ community, I'm sure, just chastises. They they hate requests. They're going to attack you if you make a request. But I sort of welcome them uh, to a point. Uh, I don't want to be drilled with them. If I'm be, if I'm my, if I'm being drilled for requests, then I'm doing something wrong. Um, what, no. what, what do you mean? Well, if you're uh, you know if I'm getting you know 
four or five requests all in a row and it's not all from the same group that just is desperate to hear whatever they want to hear then Play journey <laughs> then i'm playing the i'm totally playing the wrong stuff i'm not gauging uh, i'm not reading the crowd properly if i'm getting yeah. a lot of requests then it's my bad it really is don't none of these cocky djs that that are little f- requests yeah. well we no requests are helping you do your job better because you don't really want to play to your ear, right? Your goal is to play to your audience. The goal is to always audience. to play to the audience, yeah. but you'd always want to be kind of true to, to where you came from. The best advice that I got that really helped me kind of break my mold was don't play anything you don't like. So even though I've, I need to play to different audiences and customize things differently, I'm still not going to play tracks that I can't stand. Right. Or else then I'm not having fun and, and then the whole thing's just ruined. There was a, I was playing at a venue that pretty kind of ratchet venue um, several years ago and they, uh, they wanted a lot of down tempo rap and hip hop, which out of that space, I probably would have loved. But playing it to that audience made me miserable. And of course, there would be fights all the time. And then that's, you know, then you get clubs. That, there's a whole reason why clubs don't want rap. Because they bring a gang culture. They bring a gang, and it, that's not necessary. Yeah. So just trying to, I'm never going to play anything I don't like, and I may not like it for multiple reasons. Uh, and for the most part, it's usually I don't like them. I, I tend to like a lot of things. I'm not going to like it if it's going to bring a negative vibe into the positive atmosphere. Atmosphere. I'm so supposed you're not going to gonna play West Side Connection or something like that, or yeah. Easy I mean, I, e or you know. I love uh, right and a lot of like even even the you know Run DMCs and everything that the Ice Cubes and DOCs get it. I was right. <laughs> somebody got it. Thank you. Playing all uh, playing all that stuff in my car. Love that shit. Like you're playing that all the time. But uh, you know, even when they're when they're, they're they sound like they would be party songs, but it, it's it's ultimately just encouraging the crowd to get rowdy, and not in the good way. Then I start hating them, and I I start blacklisting songs like crazy. And uh, and if I can't put these songs away, and if I can't convince the audience that something better needs to happen, something more positive needs to happen, then then I just I put myself in a funk, mm. and the night might as well just be over. How do you mix music? Like, do you do you hear a beat and go, "Oh, that would be great with this acapella," or like, how is it inspiration? Is it just trial and error? It's it's a lot of trial and error, that's for sure. I hear a lot of things that I think would sound just rad together, and then you put the two together, and uh, come to find out, they just train wreck like crazy. There's a lot of songs that are frustratingly similar, but not the proper speed, and so you have to adjust the tempo, and it's it's not within you can't adjust the tempo enough. You know, you, there's there's a safe zone of how fast and slow you can change a song before the audience doesn't care for it anymore. And uh, when so when you get songs that even might sample one another, but they're a completely different style of song, it's it's real difficult to put them together. So when I'm trying to dissect a song and figure out how I'm going to get from this uh, hip hop track with a you know pretty basic four tempo beat not a lot of melody to an edm track that is a lot of melody and a fast beat i gotta i got to then take everything apart and figure out where where in the songs i can sample them and what i can take and double time and what we can i may not even start at the beginning of a song we'll have to start in the middle of a song in the in the valley of a song and then 
eventually loop it back over again to get to the start of the song where the audience is expecting it to come from. So, you know, taking apart the two and adjusting their their pitch is always a gamble in front of an audience if you don't practice it beforehand. But since I've started this, I tend to be so busy uh, that I don't have a lot of time. So it's always trial and error with an audience, which is really exciting. Trying to pick everything apart and um, test out something brand new that I thought of in the car on the way over here in front of an audience is nerve-wracking, and it's the best feeling ever. You sound like a comic. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like comedy, yeah. seriously. Right? Yeah. 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 You see that? <laughs> yeah, like 90, 90% of the st- 90% of the stuff I talk about is stuff I think about on the drive over. Like right. it's just yeah. And man, when they and then when they don't work, you're like shit, but it's, it was so good. Yeah. And I know that they can work, and so I train wreck again and again and again. Poor audience. <laughs> Luckily they stick with me. Yeah. But how do you recover? That was that's going to be my next yeah. thing. I, you kind of have to have an exit strategy for everything. And that that tends to be a lot of um anthems and stuff that has proven to work that tends to be the i hate to say it um and when you mean anthem like uptown funk or something like that or something everybody knows yeah. something that's proven to work um anthems are often more sing-along than anything else i've train wrecked a situation and i need to kind of salvage it uh if it's within the proper speed i guess you could jump from all over the place but if it's in the the proper speed you jump to Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do. Sure. Mm. Uh, second that comes on, nobody remembers that there was a giant train wreck. <laughs> I mean, we're on to this anthem and we're we're all there. I, I was going to chime in with that. I was That's my yeah. go-to for... <laughs> uh, and if, if you've heard me play recently, the anthems that I've been using a lot, not to salvage anything, but just in general, the, the, the ones I'm favoring right now, I mean, these are, they're, they're always classics. They're always old school songs. Um, so DMX, Party Up, uh, the Montel Jordan. Two in a room, wiggle it. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let me take you on this speed, talk about speed with music, because one thing I like to do is break down this fourth wall that people in media don't have. And there is a giant radio company in this world that speeds up their music by right. three we, to four and a half percent. Called pitching. Yeah, yeah. You, you pitch your tracks. And the reason why they do that is so that Katy Perry sounds better on the radio than when you buy her CD. What's your feelings on that? I totally understand it. And if I was the one programming a radio station, I'd probably do it as well. Now, as a DJ, as a DJ, I I do. However, I don't adjust the pitch. I do adjust the speed. So we have, luckily, the future's here. And um, we can now speed up a song without changing its pitch, where that wasn't always the case. Of course, you put on a record and you change the pitch and it gets all chipmunky. Um, and that's what a lot of radio stations across the country are doing now. And it's the reason you would do that is you can, you can pitch it up. A, you can pitch up a song up to probably four, mm-hmm. you know, plus four DBM. So you got, you know, that's or uh, beats per minute, excuse me, B, BPM. Mm-hmm. It's been a long day. Oh, you're good. Uh, before the audience starts to notice that there's a, a change in their voice. And uh, so when you, you've been listening to this radio station now for a while and it's pitched and you jump back to your competitor, well, your competitor sounds slow and drone, and, but it's a subconscious thing. You can't figure out why they sound so much better. 
that's always that's one of those little industry secrets that it's the subversiveness of yeah that's yeah. that blew my mind when you when I learned about all of this and so you're like is that cool or is that fucked up like it's I guess I'm impartial I haven't yeah. really thought of you know whether it bothers me or not <laughs> uh, I think it's I think it's clever I yeah. think it's really clever as a DJ I will always almost always speed up all the tracks that I play they they they're more attractive when they're a little faster um, too much and it's way too noticeable and it's distracting and then almost never slower almost never slower than the way it was written so um, if every dj around the country and every program director around the country is doing this to an artist's music why it, aren't these production houses speeding it up a priori to releasing it uh then i think it just kind of resets and we're going to speed it up again uh, uh so we're not, you know, there's, there's no point in speeding them up in the first place if the competitor is going to be playing what came from the producer. I mean, it just kind of resets, you know what I'm saying? Does that sound crazy? Yeah, yeah. Sets it, it all just back to resets zero. Resets it all back to zero, right. What do you um, do with Bone Thugs and Harmony or Twista? Like, do you even speed them up or do you try to slow them down? See, now I, I look at those, I don't look at them from a lyrical standpoint, like, like you, so Twista, who's a really fast uh, rapper, yeah. you know, you can you can speed up. You're ultimately just speeding up the the beat. the beat, and you can only speed up the beat so much before it just resets. Yeah, um, you've got 135 beats per minute before it resets, and we start over again at 65. In DJ terms, when I'm playing uh, something with a, a a double tempo uh, or a, a double beat. You know, those are going to be in the higher BPMs, and then we get down to something like trap or a slow rap, something rather, and it's going to be a lot slower. So, doing that crossover from a double to a to slow, so from a thirty-five to a sixty-five is really dangerous. But you can only speed up the beat so much before eventually you just start discounting it as as being sped up, and you start to only hear the the uh, half tempo. You're a scientist. You're the official DJ of Comic Con. Yeah. How did that come about? Uh, so, whew, in my rebellious phase when I was like, I don't know, 15, 16, before radio, I, uh, I worked at a haunted house here in Salt Lake, and uh, I met a lot of very colorful people. I was DJing at the time. I'd, I'd been DJing for a couple of years, and uh, working at the haunted house, I always wanted... I was always fascinated with uh, the uh, audio that they would do throughout the haunt and, and moving from you know room to room and you wouldn't hear the audio from the previous room even though they were literally side, to, side by side. Talking to uh, the people that put the audio together for that sort of thing and getting you know making connections with them, when, when the haunted house that I worked for closed, um, it, it kind of got everybody all creatively charged up and then all of a sudden we had nowhere to go and everyone had all this creative uh, energy and confidence and motivation where they probably wouldn't have had it before and was just let loose in the market. And since then, these people have started up, um, they've started just going to town on whatever they were passionate about. Um, some of those are people that have made their way over to Comic-Con. They are now doing exactly what they love in that sort of nerddom world where they can just be themselves. They, they, you know, 
that bully tactic over nerds thing doesn't exist anymore. Just escape and, reality. Right. Yeah. And and so I've got people in these roles that are um, going to town with what they love. I'm one of those people. I'm a big nerd. I'm a big um, pop culture buff. And, uh, and then I also DJ. And the two together don't typically go well. Now, you wouldn't you wouldn't associate a hip hop DJ, or and or something. You know, DJs are uh, tend to be lumped in with the popular crowd. And I was never a popular person growing up in in school, uh, which was another reason I started DJing in the first place. Is I wanted to make these jocks that hated me sweat. <laughs> so they loved going out and partying all the time. Well, you know what? I'm going to be in charge of the party. Yeah, and you're going to. Worship me, yeah. I can throw you out, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I'm so, take your lady, yeah, right? Sure. So, and I, but I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm not embarrassed by my, uh, you know, nerd culture that I'm fascinated in. So, I wanted to smash the two together. And when Comic Con launched itself here, I jumped on the opportunity to, to try to smash the two together. What I know about the cons from around the country and all the other Comic Cons and Wizard Cons and so forth. They they have a lot of great support um, supporting clients and companies that put on after parties. It's got that Hollywood status. It's very Sundance film festival kind of feel. And with a startup company like Salt Lake Comic Con, or at least startup according to the general public here, they didn't have something like that. Or that's not something on their radar to do is to put together an after party type uh, type feel. So I immediately put myself out there to them, uh, not expecting anything, not even realizing that people that I might have associated with in the past have anything to do with that. And, uh, and I was actually declined several times. Um, they shot me down quite a bit. They've got, they had a guy, um, another radio guy, in fact, from another uh, radio group that was working with them from the beginning when they first launched Comic-Con. I was too late. Mm. I was too late before they even announced so I put it on the back burner, but I liked the idea that I, the concept of, of mixing the geek culture with the DJ thing so much that I set out to do other events where I could mix the two together. So I reached out to venues that I was friendly with that uh, would allow me to do a cosplay night or would allow me to do a, uh, they could do pre magic the gathering i don't know type stuff beforehand or what i don't know <laughs> dungeons and just dragons where, and all that <laughs> yeah what where's something geeky going on where i can show up and play music for you guys because that's that's all i want to do so what kind of music are you going to play then i've oh man like batman soundtracks and pokemon soundtracks yeah it's just going to be kissed on a rose yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kissed by a rose on a grave for like 45 minutes I'm there. Fantastic. <laughs> Can we just admit that that's the best Batman? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been racking my brain over it. So I've got some stuff that I've I've kept in my catalog since I first joined on with Comic-Con. Um, and uh, I, I plan on, on breaking those out, but I'm always trying to just scour the internet for anything I can find that is nerdy enough to be recognized by the geek culture but doesn't sound like I'm a crazy person, I guess. You know, I've, I'm the last, I, I DJed for uh, Gaming Con. And while I was there, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of um, gamers. And, um, you know, some of the majority of the crowd probably doesn't get out very often. 
So the uh, the sound track that they wanted to hear for their after party is the stuff that they would listen to in their basement when they're doing all their land parties and they're, um, they're wowing it up. So uh, the requests that they had were very obscure anime and everything out of um, just ridiculous uh, K-pop tracks that um, I've never heard of before. Sure. Uh, and so luckily trial by error with them and getting their requests kind of learning what I can look for. Um, I'm currently trying to mash up a, a Pokemon, the theme song from the Saturday morning cartoon with something that would be more socially acceptable for just the general population. So you're not just dropping in a Pokemon right. soundtrack and everyone's, you know, the geek culture is going to love it regardless, but the, the, everybody else is like, wow, this is, this is a little much. Yeah. You got to yeah. make it fun. So, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm currently trying to smash those two together. And, and things like that. So, and looking at, uh, having gone to Comic-Con since it first started and checking out other ones across the country, you can always see what people tend to favor and what have become icons like the Ghostbusters. Well, Ghostbusters luckily had a really kick-ass soundtrack. So I've got some really great electro Ghostbuster tracks that I'm going to play. And, um, I'm a huge, my, my nerddom stems from, uh, Disney and (laughs) Disneyland specifically. And uh, so I'm, and as a kid of the 90s, I'm going to be playing the uh, Goofy Movie soundtrack, which... Uh, Stand up. Right? Yeah. I yeah, yeah. tie. Yeah. That's my jam. Uh, yeah, I, no, I have that. That's if, all my if workout you were a kid of the, If you were a kid of the 90s watching Goofy Movie, man, you were, you were like me running around your bedroom sing, trying to sing every word that came out of that movie. Yeah. It was incredible. If I can get in... There, there are other things with great soundtracks that are super nerdy, but they're not, they're almost too nerdy for the geek community. You don't see a lot of Broadway cosplays. You don't see a lot of, you don't see somebody that, yeah, you don't see somebody in a cat's costume at, at a Comic-Con. Mm-hmm, that's true. You know what I mean? So, so there's, you, there's places where I could find really great music that, that should be nerdy, mm. sort of. Do you dress it, up for these shows and all that stuff while you're, you're performing? I do. Yeah, it's not not required, and i I try to uh, I try to build the cosplays that I wear when I'm playing around, or I stylize them so that they match the DJ culture that I represent. And because uh, I've, I've seen you like you have like a Tron kind of thing right. going, yeah. and so and Tron's a great example. I've DJed as Jack Sparrow before, which I just wanted a Jack Sparrow, so I, I built a Jack Sparrow, and it's it's incredible. It's hard to DJ in, but just the image of seeing a Jack Sparrow behind the turntables is pretty rad. Yeah. That could be um, on a t-shirt. Right. Yeah. And you got Jack Sparrow with headphones on over the dreads, and it's really slick. So trying to build the next cosplay piece, I was like, all right, I need something that's sort of DJ-related, and I was I'm crazy about Tron. I've always been crazy about Tron, but when they revamped it, when they relaunched it, and uh, did, you know, part two. And they brought in someone like Daft Punk to do the soundtrack. I mean, it was a perfect fit. There's a scene in the movie where they go into a club. It's a tip, or it's the, uh, I want to say tip top club, but I'm thinking Disneyland again. And, uh, the, you know, Daft Punk's in there DJing. And I was like, perfect. This is a scene where I could pull an obscure character from or build an obscure character that could fit in this scene and theme it. DJ related. So I built a Tron costume that's just a random program. 
And if any of the geek community asks, by the way, I'm just a music mixing program. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for a music event. Leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and kind of, and built a costume around that, and you know, stylized a makeup around it. And having done Jack Sparrow before that, and how difficult that's to DJ in, I built something athletic that I could, you know, wear all night long. That you know, even with all that AC packs and batteries on me to make everything light up, wouldn't impede on what I was doing. So yeah. of course I don't, I obviously don't dress up at all my events. Sure. Only the applicable ones. Yeah. So well, I'm going as a lawn gnome this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a favorite look it's, for Sasha. <laughs> great. Salt Lake Comic Con starts tomorrow. Your after parties, are they for people to go? Or are they all VIP? They're uh, open to the general public. And there's an after party uh, every night of Comic-Con. I just happen to be on the last two. Where? Uh, it's at Sky SLC downtown. It's on Pierpont Avenue. It's a brand new place. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. They have a retractable roof. I mean, they've really, not to, not to plug them because they have yet to show me any love, but uh, <laughs> they, you know, they've, they've definitely raised the bar um, here in Salt Lake. Kudos to, to everyone who put that together. So we're going to be doing it there. I think the, uh, the geek community of, of Comic-Con and the general public are going to have a really kick-ass place to uh to to kind of celebrate i think this is really going to change how comic-con has uh has celebrated before and all the other things that happen outside of the the halls of the con itself so giving this place a you know at this uh, sky lounge is going to be really really dope and that's walking distance from the salt palace oh yeah it's like a block okay. maybe yeah uh and it's open to the general public you know ga tickets are available if you have a platinum uh wristband which I can't remember all the things that that comes with, but it gets you into all the after parties for free. But uh, everything's open to the general public. The nights that I'm playing, I'm playing with uh, Jess Jess Harnell. I never remember his name, but I know every character he's ever played. He's a voice character or voice actor, you know, famous from uh, Animaniacs. Yeah, well. yeah, that guy. Yeah. Uh, and he's done pretty much every video game I've ever loved, and uh, Doctor Finkelstein from Nightmare Before Christmas, and. All these other really kick-ass characters. He's going to be. He has a cover band, and they're going to be playing. Uh, and then myself, I'm going to round off the night. And then Saturday night, we've got a, a DJ from Vegas that comes up. That's uh, I'm going to be opening for, and uh, we're going to do a celebrity lip sync battle. So all of the guests of Comic Con can come in and have a drink or two, get up on stage, make a fool of themselves, and we're all just going to sit back and love it. That's so. beautiful. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Where where else do you spend on the regular? Because I see you post a lot of stuff. Yeah, I I try to be all over the place. I stagger my 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 dates, my residencies, um, so that I can be. I am uh, hopscotching between uh, the Madison in Provo on Center Street and uh, Sandy Station in Sandy uh, every other Friday, back and forth. And then Saturdays I do uh, guest spots everywhere from uh, Club Elevate to the Moose Lounge, on both in downtown Salt Lake, and the Hookah Bar out in Murray. Nice. Uh, and then traveling, I'll be doing a Halloween. I'm going to announce where I'll be, or what the event is. I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's in St. George. But um, I'll be traveling to St. George to do a show with a, uh, a hip-hop act that I've recently done a show with here. So, Well, go to these after parties. See DJ Jaravicious. Make sure all weekend you're 
dialing up earholemedia.com. We have Tony Toscano in the VIP room. We have Jackson Banks from Camp Jackie roaming the town. I'll be there. You'll be there. I think we'll get Jason Harvey possibly to stop by. And so we are, earholemedia.com is the official podcast network of Comic-Con. We're going to podcast the hell out of it. We're going to bring you A-listers. We're going to take you completely behind the scenes. I'll probably be talking to police officers and security guards. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can find me. I'll be around yeah. the convention as well in various forms and others. I'm going to be doing hands, kissing babies, kissing babies, a little bit of guerrilla marketing. I, I might, <laughs> I, I might get kicked out, you know? So if you see me and I'm getting harassed, Someone start videotaping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get Johnny out of here. <laughs> well, you're the best brother. I appreciate you stopping by and saying hello. And awesome. uh, congratulations you. on all your success and hard work. Yeah. Thank you. We just got started. So yeah. well, here we you go. Make we us, again. You, you make me, as a young broadcaster, like you, you set the A level. So, thank you. Know, you. Your work ethic <laughs> inspires me. So. Yeah, man. With that well, said, we're out of here. Can't be seen